at law school, corporate clerkship recruitment is considered to be especially demanding. Some of the dedicated lawyers who have survived this vicious process are part of an elite squad known as Allens. These are their stories. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Allens Confidential. We've got a great episode lined up today that I know everyone's going to be really interested in. We're joined by Nikki Friedman and James Daniel to talk about Allens pro bono work which is something we're really proud of and excited to talk about here at Allens. As always, I'm joined by Caitlin Burke, my fabulous co-host. And without any further ado, let's get started. Welcome, Nikki and James. Good morning. Thanks very much. Hi, thank you for having me. So as always, the first question we like to ask our guests on our podcast is what are your favorite podcasts and or what are you listening to at the moment? A few of my favorite ones are Freakonomics. They do some, some interesting, interesting podcasts. I also like some of the Sam Harris interviews that, that he does um, and also some of the Planet Money podcasts are interesting as well. And how about you, Nikki? I'm a big fan of a couple of Slate podcasts. I really like the Political Gabfest and the Culture Gabfest and I listen to The Daily, the New York Times Daily podcast most of the time. Uh, I also like Deep Background when Noah Feldman's podcast. I'm always so impressed by people's podcast choices because I feel like I have my little pool of podcasts that I listen to and it's not about self-improvement or like expanding my knowledge. It's just, you know, shallow indulging. So well done everyone for your intellectual choices. And so I guess today we're talking about pro bono, which is something that Alan's, you know, we love to do here. And I know for students, when I speak to them who are applying to the firm, they're really interested in you know, what the, the kinds of things that we do. Um, and one thing that we didn't talk about at the top is what you two actually do. So it would be great to hear about what your role is at Allens and how that relates to our pro bono sphere. So Nikki, did you want to go first on that one? Sure. So my title is Director of Community Engagement. So that reflects the fact that I, I head up not just the pro bono practice for the firm, but also the other um, spheres of our community facing activities. So the work we do towards reconciliation, uh, the sustainability program that we run, and also our philanthropy program. Um, But probably what takes up the most of my time and what's certainly most pertinent to today's discussion is heading up the pro bono program. Great. And so what what does that involve from your perspective in terms of you know, day-to-day work or running a pro bono um, practice, what does that actually look like? Um, so it's partly strategy, so deciding, uh, forming a view on what types of pro bono work we should be focusing on in, you know, any given period, um, checking in with our strategic objectives and making sure that those those remain current, um, liaising with management at the firm so with the board and leadership team to let them know what we're doing and and make sure that we've got like high level buy-in to the objectives of the program Um, and then on a day-to-day level more operational activities so um, checking in having like all sorts of measures in place to ensure that we can regularly audit what's going on on any existing pro bono matters liaising with all of our stakeholders, the different organisations we do pro bono work for, but also through. So the the clearing houses and the community legal centres and so on that we 
have partnerships with to make sure that our relationships are strong, that we understand what the needs are in the community and the emerging needs that they're seeing uh, so that we can ensure that we're appropriately placed to respond to those. Um, a, a whole range of other activities in, like that are all geared towards making sure that our practice runs smoothly, that we um, consider any risks that are posed by any work um, that we might be looking at doing, that I've got a good sense at any time of how busy the firm is, what practice groups are busy, where the capacity is, where the capacity isn't, um, that sort of thing. Yeah, that sort of simple thing. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. It's, it's like there's a lot to factor in. And James, you obviously work a fair bit with Nikki. What does your involvement in pro bono look like? Yeah, so as Nikki described, we have our overarching approach to pro bono within the community engagement program. So to assist Nikki with that, we have pro bono coordinators in each of our different offices. So I'm the pro bono coordinator for the Sydney office. So the main um, work that I do in that space is um, assisting Nikki with bringing in new pro bono clients that we think we can help to make an impact with together. Um, also helping to find people who'd like to do pro bono work and especially um, finding people who'd like to do the particular types of pro bono work that we have in coming into the firm and uh, keeping keeping uh, everyone everyone connected on, on that page. So I'm also a lawyer in our TMT team. So I think something we'll probably speak about later is the fact that at Allens we have um, a slightly different structure to some other firms where we have all different people getting involved uh, with the pro bono program and we don't have people um, working as full-time pro bono lawyers. I mean, maybe this is a good and natural point to talk about that. I mean, how then does Allens approach pro bono and sort of what what is unique to Allens in how you see how we run our programs? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good good question. I think that aspect that we have of having everyone encouraged to get involved with the pro bono program, I think is a really important element because I think what that allows us to do is to get experts in all different fields applying their expertise and knowledge and experience to particular problems that are faced by pro bono organizations. So I think that's, that is one um, difference perhaps of, of how we approach pro bono work. And I, I really have the honor of seeing firsthand what that means for clients and the skills and experience that we get to bring to bear on particular problems, I think makes a huge contribution. So how might a, a grad or a clerk say get involved in pro bono? What does that usually look like? I think uh, it usually comes to them through a couple of different mechanisms. So some people will have particular areas that they're interested in and they'll contact Nikki or they'll contact me and say that they'd like to get involved with pro bono work for First Australians or for clients that are assisting to protect the natural environment or for um, services to assist homeless people. They'll, they might register a particular interest area and then we'll see if there's a pro bono matter that we can staff them on that, that suits their interest area. Other times we'll have a more general matter where we might email 
all the grads, for example, because we think it kind of needs a junior lawyer, but it might not be very expertise specific. Um, other times we'll go specifically to people in particular practice groups because we think it requires uh, particular expertise from particular teams. So there's kind of a couple couple of ways that pro bono work can find itself coming to, to junior lawyers. In fact, Caitlin, you've probably got a good story too, seeing as you were at the firm for about 15 minutes before you started your pro bono comment. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's right. I made swift work of... Um, diversifying my practice once I arrived. Um, yeah, I was always really interested in, in pro bono. Um, and, um, Jed and Nikki, uh, gave us some great info in our kind of first couple of weeks of induction. So we really had, had the, um, the contacts and the, and an understanding of, of how to make, I guess, get the ball rolling. Um, so myself and a couple of other grads, um, reached out, uh, COVID happened and we were like, well, are there a, um, you know, ordinary lines of work or, or work sources that for pro bono that are, are no longer there and B, um, are there new needs, I guess, in the community that is there, is there a way that we can, um, get involved in these circumstances? Um, yeah. And pretty quickly, Jed and, and Nikki had, had lined up a, a great, uh, opportunity, uh, myself and another, uh, grad, uh, on a part-time secondment, um, with PIAC. So that means uh, we get to do a whole lot of different matters uh, each week. It's probably about a day or a day and a half a week I spend doing those matters um, and they get briefed directly to me. So a whole range of things um, for pro bono clients, um, which has been, yeah, fantastic and very easy to do, a lot easier than I thought it would be um, to do a secondment online. Uh, we spend a lot of time on the phone to PX solicitors and um, working through those matters. So I was, yeah, surprised at, at how, how quickly... Um, we could set something up and, um, yeah, it's been great. Probably a good opportunity to talk about relationships and projects that we have on an ongoing basis with organisations like PIAC. So James talked about people getting involved in pro bono matters either because they put their hands up to do a particular type of work and were able to match their interests with, with work that comes in or that we recruit people to particular matters um, through that because of their expertise. We, what we also have at any time is a number of ongoing projects uh, that have been established and that people can um, do the training for and get involved with at any time during their work at the firm. So we run homeless clinics in Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne um, where we provide legal services to people who are homeless or at risk of homelessness. And those are ongoing long-term clinic projects where lawyers attend the clinic each week and see clients and then take the work back and work on those files for as long as the matter lasts. Um, through the firm. We also do work for asylum seekers through refugee legal centres, again, in um, in all the, actually in all our Australian offices in, in Perth as well. Um, so people can sign up and do the relevant training to provide assistance through those projects. And they're, they're also ongoing projects. And there's a, a range of other opportunities like that um, in different offices. Yeah, and I mean, those kinds of things I think are great, especially for people doing clerkships or grad rotations. They're great things to be involved in those long-running things so you've got a sense of, you know, things are established as a process. It's a great way to sort of get new experience and exposure. I guess an interesting thing from my perspective is, you know, how do we figure out who who we're going to work with or how we're going to build those relationships? I mean, 
does that sort of come up on a rolling basis? Do we have a clear structure in place? Like how do we build those connections in the community? We've got a sense of our priority areas for legal assistance and they're, they're our sense of what the, the most important justice needs are, but also where the best fit is with our expertise at the firm. So we um, focus on human rights work, um, assisting people who are homeless or at risk of homelessness, as I've, I've already talked about, sustaining the natural environment, protecting the natural environment, as James said before, work related to reconciliation. Um, and those are really our main areas of focus. So we work closely with organisations that have a strength in, in working in those areas. So refugee legal centres, the Human Rights Law Centre, PIAC, the Public Interest Advocacy Centre, um, the various homelessness legal services, um, environmental NGOs, charities, the Australian Rainforest Conservation Society, WWF, Bush Heritage Australia, the Great Barrier Reef Foundation, and other organisations that protect the natural environment. Those are organisations that we've worked with for a long time um, they're because they're doing the work that's relevant to the priority areas that, that we see. That's so many different areas. It's amazing. And I think I couldn't even imagine, you know, when you're just coming in, how to pick which sort of area you want to get involved in. But I mean, Nikki, you must have seen lots of different, very interesting matters. Um, come through the firm. Are there any pro bono matters that Alan's has done that you're particularly proud of that, that affected you in a particular way? Sure. I mean, so, yeah, so so much work over so much time. Um, but, so, you know, things, there's a few things that do stand out particularly. We um, represented an Aboriginal man from Victoria called um, Neville Austin some years ago. So Mr. Austin was separated from his mother when he was a baby. Um, he was a part of the stolen generation and he came to to us to assist him to make a claim for compensation from the Victorian government for being taken from his family. And it, more than compensation, he was really focused on, on having government acknowledge the harm that was done to him and apologise to him. And we acted for, for Neville for many years while we researched exactly what happened to him piecing together the you know all of the the documents to understand when he was taken and how he was taken and also what the long-term impact had been on on his life and his mental health his well-being um and we and we instituting we instituted proceedings and ultimately that matter settled so you know, you can't read a case about what happened to Mr. Austin, but different from many, many other matters that settle, in that case, the the government apologised. There was a written apology acknowledging that Neville was wrongly taken from his family and that that caused him harm and that the government was sorry for that. And that was not a confidential settlement. It was It was a public apology that he was able to talk about and there was a press conference held and that letter was read and just being there that day and seeing how much that meant to Neville and to his family and his friends, many of whom themselves were members of the Stolen Generation and saw that as some and almost the only official acknowledgement of, of harm done by government to members of 
the stolen generation. It was really, it was a powerful day and it was, it was really something to be very proud of that the firm invested a huge amount of time and a huge amount of effort in running that matter for, for many years and really was, was very proud to have stood by Neville, who was so incredibly brave to take that action. Wow. I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's incredible. I mean, that, to, to be part of that, Nikki, I imagine that must have just been such a, um, you know, incredible and powerful point in your career. Um, Jed, how about you? Has there been anything that you've worked on or that you've seen come through the firm that you've been particularly inspired by or felt like, you know, it's worth sharing? Yeah, absolutely. And I should, I should say at this point, although my legal name is James, my, my nickname is Jed, which is my, oh, yeah. <laughs> my initial. So that's, uh, that explains some of the, some of the references so far. So I think the matter that, that really got me involved in a substantive way with the pro bono program at Allens was when I was uh, in my first year of the grad program. And I got involved in a matter that we were working on um, with PIAC to, assist two young Indigenous girls who'd been um, arrested uh, in quite unfortunate circumstances. And uh, the matter went on for quite a long time, over over a year. And in the end, we were able to get them an outcome that, that they were really happy with. And I think seeing that firsthand was, I think, quite a formative experience for me, not just, I think, seeing the outcome that we got for them, but I think also seeing what it meant to them to have someone um, and a firm stand behind them and take take their needs and their interests really seriously and, and represent them the whole way through. I think it really demonstrated to me that the powerful effect that we can have in the community to assist to assist people who, who really need need our help. So I think that that was the matter for me that that I think really exposed me to the to the good we can do through the pro bono program another one I'd mention is one more recently because it's quite quite different I think in terms of approach but that was assisting the New South Wales Council for Civil Liberties to make a submission into the parliamentary inquiry into whether Australia should have a Magnitsky Act so for those of you who might not um, have heard of this before this is basically legislative change to more effectively allow the government to target human rights abusers. So it would do things such as freeze assets and prevent people coming, in this case, to Australia who were known abusers of human rights. So that, I think, was quite a different type of matter because it was working on quite an abstract academic submission. There was no kind of real people, quote unquote, so to speak, involved that we were working in we were just all working as a team together on this submission with the New South Wales Council for Civil Liberties. But I think, again, it demonstrated to me the real powerful impact that we can have at Allens through bringing all different people together to, to work on this really important proposed piece of legislative change. So I think seeing both the, the depth but also the diversity and the types of matters that we get involved with has had a really powerful impact on me. Yeah, amazing. And correct me if I'm completely off the mark here, but I feel like I've heard that we were involved in the voting rights in the High Court Challenge. Nikki, is that right? Did Alan's help with that one? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we ran the Roach case. Um, 
we did that work with the Human Rights Law Centre, but we were actually the the lawyers on the record for Vicky Roach, the plaintiff in, in that case. So this was a um, there was legislation introduced by the Howard government that limited the franchise from prisoners, and the challenge mounted um, was to argue that that was an unconstitutional fettering of the franchise and that it was unreasonable to deprive that many people of the of the right to vote. And the, we were successful in the High Court. The High Court agreed that it was an unreasonable limitation of people's right to, to vote and unconstitutional. And the vote was restored to anybody who was in prison for less than five years. So people actually, it, the, the decision was handed down quite soon before a general election. And, and in that next general election, some weeks later, people had the right to vote who otherwise would not have been able to do so. So it was, it was amazing to see the real life effect of that really quickly. Like it sounded like a, a very sort of abstract idea, but in fact it meant people casting a ballot who otherwise wouldn't have been able to do so. And it's a great example of what pro bono work can achieve. So again, like the work I described from Mr. Um, Austin before, but more so because that, that matter actually ran in the High Court uh, it was a huge undertaking. The the research needed was enormous. The resources that had to be invested in preparing a matter like that for a hearing in the High Court was really significant. There were senior barristers involved on both sides, big legal teams, people going back and forth to Canberra, etc. Um, and that was something we were able to do because we we chose to invest our resources in it because we thought it was a, a really important question of law that that needed to be resolved and because we have the independence to take on whatever matter it, it is that we think are worth doing we were able to take that work yeah I mean the first time I obviously heard about that case was at uni you know we studied it so when you come around and it's like oh yeah we we did that you think oh wow like I'm pretty happy to be part of a firm that does that sort of work? I mean, that's really special, I think. It's special that the firm is brave and robust. I mean, it's not necessarily so popular to take work for prisoners. It's not kind of, you know, it's not necessarily obvious what the the public appeal of work like that might be. It really is a question of, of justice and, and due process and so on. They're very loyally ideas. Um, but the fact that the firm is, happy to be there and be brave and take on these, you know, arguably controversial matters and put the resources into it, I think is, is something absolutely to be proud of. And also what it's demonstrated over a number of years of, of a number of these types of complicated questions of law is, you know, when you're a top law firm with some of the smartest people in the country, um, not only can you provide great services to your commercial clients, but you can provide great services to pro bono clients because some of those types of matters, they're really hard and the questions of law that need to be decided and discussed are, are complicated uh, and require real expertise in constitutional law or migration law or administrative law or whatever the particular areas of, of law being considered are. And that's where being Allen's um, with really, really smart high level expertise becomes really important and relevant and we are we really are a lot of organizations first choice of law firm to run a pro bono matter they come knocking on the door because they know that we'll bring the smarts to the table and and we'll bring the generosity as well so 
Yeah, it is. I think, and and I think from from my perspective, having only been here a little while, I find it really exciting um, that you know a good chunk of my work week um, is is doing engaging with this kind of stuff, but also learning from it at such a um, I guess impressionable start and and stage of my career. So I feel very grateful um, to be somewhere like this. Uh, guys, we like to wrap up by asking um, asking you both, if you could give yourself, your former self, one piece of career advice, what would it be? Jed, if you want to kick off. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, my career didn't start all that long ago, but I think one piece of advice that I've received and that I'd, I'd give to others is, especially when you're starting out, don't be too hard on yourself. It's a time time for learning when you first begin work and you're inevitably going to make mistakes because everybody does. But as cliched as it is, the important thing is to learn from them and to to not beat yourself up about any mistake that you make and just to enjoy the journey because otherwise <laughs> otherwise it'll be a long path if you if you give yourself too hard a time. So that's what I'd say is uh, just do your best to learn learn from all those things and, and enjoy it along the way. I often tell people, particularly young women, um, that you're in charge of your career and it's really going to be you who has to have a plan. And even if that plan um, jumps around and, and isn't necessarily completely linear, and as James you know, very wisely says, it, it might involve some false starts and some mistakes along the way. But you can't wait for people to come and offer you things and suggest things to you. You really have to be the one who forges the path for yourself and puts your hand up to to nominate for opportunities and, and it kind of forms a view of, of where you might be heading. I think we often think that someone's going to roll out a, a magic carpet for us or, or come and take us by the hand and lead us in the right direction. But actually, it, it's really those are those are jobs that we have to take on for ourselves. That's great. Thank you so much, both of you, um, for your time today. It's been amazing hearing uh, all about the way that Alan's runs such a, a diverse and forward-thinking pro bono practice. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we will see you next time.